Hello, friends. This is Pastor Creighton. Thank you for tuning in to New Song Church's sermon podcast. At New Song Church, we want to see Jesus lifted high in Port Perry, Ontario, as we worship, grow, and serve. You can learn more about us and find contact info at newsongportperry.ca. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Saints, this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for this great gift of a savior, this great gift of this newborn Lord of all. Lord, would we not miss the wonder? Would we not miss the marvel that it is to behold you wrapped in swaddling cloths, entering into our situation, entering into our world? Lord, Grant your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts such that we come and adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
I'm increasingly confident of the fact that uh, it's a rite of passage. You know you've become an adult when, uh, when Christmas time rolls around and the thing you're excited most about is the socks waiting for you under the tree. <laughs> I think that's a rite of passage because when you're a kid, what's the last thing you want to receive for Christmas? You, you don't want socks. You know, socks is just taking up space. But when you become an adult, suddenly that first Christmas, I remember that first Christmas opening up socks thinking, yes, because they were the kind of socks I was looking for, and I thought, something's wrong. See, when you're a kid, of course, the usefulness of socks isn't, that's not apparent, is it? I mean, you'd rather a plastic toy that you're going to play with for five minutes and then forget about Some gifts don't immediately show you their value. I remember when I was young, uh, one of the most thoughtful gifts I ever received was from my godmom, and uh, wrapped in a very small box was a golden ring with my initials uh, engraved in it. And what an amazing, thoughtful gift that was, but the problem was I was six, and I was thinking, (laughs) what do I do with this? And it was, anyway, I I think about that ring often. Let me tell you about one of my favorite uh, Super Bowl commercials. I might have already told you about this, but it's worth telling again if you've heard it. One of my favorite Super Bowl commercials was a number of years ago, shortly after Castaway came out. You remember that movie Castaway? You know, Tom Hanks gets stranded on the desert island. He's a, he's a UPS guy or FedEx guy, something like that. But he, he washes up on the shore with a bunch of these FedEx packages that are left undelivered because the plane had crashed. And the whole movie is a harrowing journey of survival and his return to civilization, everything like that. But the movie ends, I'm going to spoil the movie. It's been out for a while, so you should have seen it. The movie ends with him uh, arriving home. There's one package that's been left unopened this whole time. And, uh, and this package has been something like it's a symbol of his, his will to go on. He's going to complete this delivery. Doesn't matter how long it takes, he's going to get back and he's going to deliver this package to its address. And that's what he does. When he gets back to civilization, he has a shave and then he takes this package to its, uh, to its delivery address. Now, the Super Bowl commercial, I mean, that's sort of where the movie ends, but the Super Bowl commercials imagine what happens next when he knocks on the door and hands the package, and he's thanked, and then as he turns to leave, he turns back and he says, you know, just because I'm curious, he's never opened this package, I'm just because I'm curious, what's in the package, by the way? And the lady, open, you know, sort of is opening up the package. So, well, you know, no, no, no big deal. Just a GPS and, uh, and, and just some seeds and, uh, you know, a flare gun and, uh, you know. <laughs> and I just love that because everything he needs, of course, to survive has been in this box the whole time. You know, here is, here is a, a gift that is most needed but so overlooked. At least this is how the commercial imagines it, right? Sometimes the greatest gifts are those gifts whose usefulness or value or, or just the sheer necessity aren't immediately apparent to us. We might, if we're not careful, gloss right over them. And we are talking about a gift tonight. Our gospel reading is all about a gift. And the key words we should notice is the angel's announcement in verse 10, unto you. That's where gifts are given. That's giving language. Unto you. This belongs to you. This is being given to you. We have gifts being given. We have a great gift being given in our gospel reading today. And what I want us to consider is the sheer incomprehensible value and wonder and sheer need of this gift. This is the greatest gift God could ever give us. 
And the surprising thing about this gift is not that it's a cute, snuggly baby. That's wonderful. The wonder of this gift is it's God giving himself to us. This is gift, God's greatest gift to us is himself. And that's what we see in our gospel reading today. I just want us to have a look at what the angel announces to the shepherds because the good news announced to the shepherds on that first holy night is the news announced to us today if we would receive it by faith. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. The angel appears to the shepherds. Gosh, I gotta wonder what they're thinking at that point. Well, I think we know what they're thinking. The first thing the angel says is, fear not. There you go. The, angel, or the shepherds are shaken. Fear not. I'm not here to terrorize you. I'm not here to scare you. In fact, quite the opposite. Behold, I bring you good news. An evangelion, good news of great joy that will be not just for you, but for all people. There is good news today, and what is that? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's just take that apart piece by piece. Born this day in the city of David, the angels announce. The city of David is really significant to us. Maybe you've been to Sunday school, and maybe you remember King David and his battle against Goliath, and the city of David is not just pointing to uh, this one episode of David. It's pointing to some of the, something of the broader story of the Bible up to this point. I mean, we have to be honest. We're walking into Luke chapter 2. We're walking in about halfway through the story of the Bible. And the Bible is a story. So imagine walking you know, into a movie for the very first time and just catching a, a scene in the middle. You're probably going to be a little bit disoriented. You probably need a little sense of what came before to understand what's happening now to understand what will happen next. And this announcement that born this day in the city of David means that God is doing something that is fulfilling a promise that he has made to his people. The story is moving forward. Bethlehem is the city where King David is born, that's true, but even more key than that is God's promise to King David. God makes a promise to David as he reigns as king centuries before Christ is born, God promises David this, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. This is a kingdom of justice, a kingdom putting the world to rights and God is saying to David, I'm committed to bringing this kingdom to pass through your royal line. So if we wonder why the gospel reading is making such a big deal of the descendant from David, well, this is it. God's fulfilling this promise that he's made centuries before to King David and what he's doing today because born this day is a promised child. That's what we read from Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. God is fulfilling his promises. That's what's being signaled here. Born this day in the city of David is what? A savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ is not a last name. Jesus wouldn't sign his name Mr. Christ. Christ is actually a title. It's, it's a Greek rendering of this Hebrew word Messiah, which is hard to capture the 
significance of this word Messiah in English, but it would be something like this. God's anointed and appointed savior. This is the one that God is going to work his will through such that the world is restored to the way it should be, that his people will be delivered, that will be rescued from sin and death and this condition of waywardness that has plagued the human race since our first parents departed from the Lord. God is going to work something marvelous through this Messiah, a work of restoration, a work of renewal, a work of hope. And that's who's been born this day, a savior who is Christ, the Lord. The Greek word is kurios, and it's true that that Greek word is often used, you know, in, in a similar way to English. We might, uh, we might refer to a lord as a landowner if it was old English, I suppose. Landlord, I guess that's a contemporary term. How about that? I stumbled into that right now. So it's, it's true that that title can refer to, to certain people in authoritative roles, but this is a, a really crucial term because this is how the Greek word for God's covenant name gets translated in the New Testament, kurios. Yahweh is the name that God gives to his people Israel. It's his unique name. By this name, you are going to know me uniquely as, as not just a God, but your God, the God who is for you. And so when the claim here is that born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, we're saying more than just this guy is really, really important. We're saying something like this. God has given you the greatest gift he ever could, and that gift is himself. God has taken on flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. That's what's being signified here. And friends, this is good news. The angel's announcing good news, by the way, not good advice. Did you notice that? Hey, I've got some good advice to share with you, shepherds. Let me share with you some shepherding techniques or let me show you what, you know, really pleases God, what you can do to pull up your bootstraps and live in such a way that, you know, he's, he's, uh, well, he's going to want to throw you some bonuses from here and, you know, from time to time. It's not good advice that the angels announce to the shepherds. It's good news. Friends, it is good news that God has taken on our human nature. If God does not have skin on, then there is no good news then all that we can offer, if God is only idea, if he's, if he's an abstract, if he's out there somewhere, then the best we could hope for is some philosophical or moral or, or ethical kind of way to, to really pull ourselves together this time and do a better job. And that's good advice, but that's not good news. Good news is not, good advice is about here's how you succeed in your quest for God. Good news is here how God has succeeded in his quest for you. He has entered into your situation. He has become human. Why did he become human? I love this. I just got to share one of my favorite quotes from all of church history. This is a dude named Athanasius, which is an incredible name, but he's also an incredible thinker. And Athanasius is reflecting on the profundity of, of what we call the incarnation, God who has become human in Jesus. And he says this, here is why the incarnation happened. He says, the son of God became human so that we might become united to God. Let me say that again. The Son of God became human so that we might become united 
to God. It might be the angels announcing good news here. That's okay. (laughs) That's all right. Did we catch that though? There's an incredible exchange happening here. God is taking on human nature so that we can partake, as it were, in the divine nature. Reconciliation is happening. A union is happening, and Jesus is right in the middle of that Venn diagram. Humanity has been wayward. God is holy, and we have no hope in our all our moral striving to make our way to God, and yet God has come into our world. That's good news. And if God doesn't have skin on, then there's no good news. This is an incredible gift. It's the gift of himself. And that's what we receive on that first Christmas. God doesn't give us an idea. He doesn't give us a moral system. He gives us himself. A person who is known and loved even as he knows and loves you. That's Christmas. God has given us himself. Maybe I can make a few suggestions of what this means for us. Number one, the fact that God has given to us himself means that God wants to be received. He's not the, uh, he's not the box in the castaway commercial that remains unopened and set aside. God wants you, as it were, to open him up. Open up your heart and receive him. Number one, God wants to be received, but number two, God wants to be received where he gives himself to us. And that's key. Because did you notice when the shepherds announce the good news, pardon me, the angels announce the good news to the shepherds, they don't just say, here's good news of great joy. Here's how you think about God and almost make him as it were to sort of appear in your mind. What do they tell them? Go to the manger. Go to where God has made himself known. He's lying there in the stable. Go and see him. The shepherds had a manger to go see. The the wise men followed the star. But where do we go? We don't have a manger. We don't have a star. Where do we go to find Christ? I think we go to somewhere as ordinary, as easy to overlook as a stable, we go to where God has committed himself to give himself to us. Two places. Let me read some quotes. Number one comes from one of my favorite, well, two of them are from my favorite heroes of the faith. I'm quoting them a lot tonight. How about that? Martin Luther, number one. He's writing an introduction to uh, the Old Testament, and this is his reflection on the scriptures. He says, here in the scriptures, you will find the swaddling cloths and the manger in which Christ lies. When we come to God's word in scripture, we're not just reading words on the page. We are encountering the living word, the word who spoke creation into existence, the word who became flesh, the word who illumines himself to us by his Holy Spirit. We come to scriptures, as it were, to encounter the the child in the manger. We don't worship the manger. We come to worship the child. And so when we open up scriptures, we're, we're ready to encounter the living word, Jesus. But God also makes an even more tactile commitment. He says, here's where you're going to find me if you're looking for me. This is another one of my heroes named John Calvin. And this is a bit of a lengthier quote, but hang in there because I think it's worth it. Calvin is reflecting on 
verse uh, 12 in Luke chapter 2, and he says this. He's talking about how remarkable it is that the angels pointed the shepherds in the most unremarkable direction towards the stable. He says, this method of proceeding, which might appear to the view of men absurd and almost ridiculous. Who expects to find God in a smelly stable? This thing we think is almost ridiculous, the Lord pursues toward us every day, sending down to us from heaven the word of the gospel. He enjoins us to embrace Christ crucified and holds out to us signs and in earthly and fading elements which raise us to the glory of a blessed immortality. Having promised to us spiritual righteousness, he places before our eyes a little water. By a small portion of bread and wine, he seals the eternal life of the soul. But if the stable gives no offense whatever to the shepherds so as to prevent them from going to Christ to obtain salvation or from yielding to his authority while he was yet a child, no sign, however mean in itself, ought to hide his glory from our view or prevent us from offering to him lowly adoration now that he has ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. That's a lengthy quote, but did you catch his meaning? He's saying that God commits himself to us in really ordinary and unremarkable ways. If we want to go find God, just like the shepherds, we have to go to where God has promised to give himself to us. And for us, we go to the scriptures. And for us, we go right here to the font of baptism. And we go to the Lord's table. Why? Because God has committed himself he has committed all of his benefits, all of his promises to us in these simple signs and seals. He has set them aside for us to say, here is where I am. Here is where you enter into union with me. Here is where you are nourished, as it were, by you in union with me. We come to the table, we come to the font, because here is where we meet our Lord, as it were, in the stable. One of my favorite Old Testament stories is from Second uh, Kings chapter 5. And this is a story about Naaman the Syrian. And I know you're all excited to hear about the baby Jesus tonight, but I know you're also secretly thinking, it's Naaman the Syrian I'm really excited to hear about. <laughs> Naaman the Syrian is... Um, Let's call him the last person you would expect God to show up to, right? He is uh, a military man. He is, a, he is not an Israelite. He's a Syrian, so he leads Syria's army against, who do you think, God's people, Israel. This is not who you'd expect God to show up to if you're an Old Testament believer. But Naaman has a debilitating skin disease. And Naaman hears that there is a prophet in Israel who may be able to heal him named Elisha. And so he makes the journey to go see Elisha. And when Elisha sees him, he says, here's what you're going to do. This is a word from the Lord. You're going to go and wash. Go to the local river and give yourself a bath and the Lord will heal you. And Naaman, you know what he does? He walks away furious. He says, I can't believe this guy. He turns to his servant. I can't believe this guy. I thought he was just going to wave his hand and away was going to be my disease. Or maybe, maybe he was going to ask an exorbitant sum of money, which is why I brought all these buckets of money with me. I wanted to do something huge so that God would do something huge for me. And you know what his servant says to him? The servant says, Master, if he had told you to do something great, you would have done it without thinking. 
So why, when he asks you to do this ordinary, simple thing, do you refuse? And so Naaman goes and he washes. And Naaman experiences the Lord's healing. And friends, I gotta think sometimes my heart's a little like Naaman. Sometimes I expect to experience God in the largeness and the bigness and the mountaintops of life. And sometimes that happens. But where God has committed himself to us is right here in the ordinary. It's in the promises in his word. It's right here in baptism. It's right here at the Lord's table. These are the ordinary means by which God gives us the greatest gift we could ever receive, and that is himself. The third thing we should bear in mind, when we come to receive him where he gives himself to us, we ought to remind ourselves that we walk away changed. What do the shepherds go away saying? They go away saying in verse 20, pardon me, they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They're now echoing the language of the angels. So if we go and encounter the Lord, we should be ready to be changed by our encounter. I love what the good Bishop J.C. Ryle says. He says, the shepherds went to Bethlehem in haste. They soon returned glorifying and praising God for what they had seen. The journey that is begun in faith will generally end in praise. Friends, in a few moments, we're going to witness our brother Aidan's baptism. This is a journey of new life and new birth. Just as Jesus was born to give himself to us, so too, through the gift of baptism, are we born again? Do the promises that he gives us become ours? And that's what we're going to celebrate and witness, bear witness to in Aidan's own life. These remarkable promises might not be immediately apparent, but if you hear these words and you have been baptized, even if your baptism service looked nothing like ours tonight, all of these baptism promises belong to you. And do you know why they belong to you? Because they're promises from God's word. And he's committed himself to them. So we celebrate Aidan's baptism and we remind ourselves of our own we are born again by God's grace, just as Christ is born on that first Christmas night. Christ is born. We are born again because God has given us the greatest gift, himself. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We worship a generous God who calls us to follow him in giving willfully, cheerfully, and sacrificially. New Song Church's mission and ministry is 100% funded by the generous gifts of those worshiping and journeying with us. If you'd like to offer a gift towards New Song's ministry, please visit newsongportperry.ca slash giving for more information on how to do that. May God bless you and keep you today and every day.